Well, welcome to Prince George Pentecostal Church. Good to see everybody here today. Thank you, Jason. We are glad you chose to worship with us. And how many that say that this was a good week? Would you say it's a good week? Put your hand up. That's a testimony right there. Praise the Lord. If it's not so good, then you know what? He's here to help you, and next week's going to be even better. I'll believe together with you for that. But uh, I am just grateful for what God is doing in this place. I have a few special announcements here this morning for you. Pastor Tiffany is still away on vacation, so you can be praying blessing on her. But um, we need some new sound men for our uh, tech ministry. Uh, if you are interested in tech, whether it be audio, visual, uh, live streaming, we have uh, some neat things happening, and we, of course, provide live stream uh, every Sunday, and then we have our sermons posted on our website afterwards for folks who might have missed it. And a lot of people do still watch online, and we want to provide that resource. Of course, you know, nothing takes the place of in-person gathering, and it's uh, so great to be able to come together. But sometimes people can't, and maybe they're not quite in that place where they're able to do that. So uh, we have a wonderful tech team, Bryce and Jason and, our, and Doug and, and Annette and, and Spencer and different people who are involved. I know Olivia, and there's probably some I'm missing. Uh, we're grateful for their commitment and their excellent service, but we need some reinforcements because there's several things. So come and talk to me. You say, man, I'm looking for a way to get involved. Here is an opportunity. If you are tech-oriented even in the slightest, we can help you develop those skills. So come and see us. Also want to make mention that uh, uh, more giving has been coming in for our, our um, fundraiser for our remodel downstairs, and uh, we are thankful for that. We are wanting to remodel the kitchen and also to um, basically do some new flooring in the fellowship hall. So it's coming in. Thank you for your giving. Please continue to give. I think I might be just a little bit hot in the auditorium. I'm not sure, but um, I'm feeling a bit of an echo. But we are so grateful that money is starting to come in, and we want to take care of the facility that God has given to us. How many believe we're called to be good stewards of all that he's given us? Amen? Our, our time, talent, and treasure, right? Your bodies, your time, your resources, uh, everything he gives you, we want to use it for the glory of God, and we want to take care of things. So things have been remodeled very nicely up here, and we just got our painting job down outside. We're grateful for that. By the way, our uh, nursery is now set up on the main floor for our young moms, so they don't have to go downstairs into the basement. They can still feel like they're a part of the service. And our new lending library is all set up upstairs, so both of those are ready to go. We had a couple of work days this summer with our staff and some other help, and uh, thank you for everybody who participated in that. So we want to make it as user-friendly for people as we can, and uh, downstairs now needs some love. So continue to give for that, and we thank you for that. Um, we're going to dismiss our kids in just a moment. I want to remind you of your giving. Thank you for your faithfulness, and we believe our giving is an act of worship to the Lord. You can do it online. You can do it through e-transfer. Also, there's a debit machine in the back. Uh, probably pretty soon this fall we'll start passing the plates again because some people are still used to that. But uh, thank you for your faithfulness, and the Lord, we ask that he will bless every gift and every giver. So kids, at this time, you can stand and we will dismiss you. I think there are already some of them are heading downstairs. So Sam, uh, thank you so much, and Hope, and you guys just have a great morning, and we'll, uh, we'll be praying a blessing upon you guys as well. All right. If you have your Bibles, take them in hand. We're going to turn to Acts chapter 28. We are wrapping up our summer series on power to change. The Apostle Paul 
as you know, was uh, accused of some things that he didn't do. And he had to stand before King Agrippa and Bernice, and he was in Herod's court. He said, you know what? I appeal to Caesar. So he's being sent to Rome. And last week, we accounted this horrendous shipwreck they endured, and the ship ran aground. It tore apart. Um, You know, it's kind of like the movie Titanic, I guess. You know, a big shipwreck. But this thing would have been awful, and they had to swim for shore. But the Lord had made a promise that they would all survive. And every one of those prisoners, there was over 200 people on that vessel. They all survived, the guards, the prisoners, the regular crewmen. uh, They all made it safely to shore. So we're going to pick it up now here as they landed on an island. And the island was called Malta. This is what it says. Now, when they had escaped, then they found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. That wouldn't be too fun, would it? A venomous viper. Uh, so when he, the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up suddenly and fall down dead. But after they looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their mind and said that he must be a god. That was their explanation for it. In that region, there, were, is, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius. Now, Publius, basically, he was like your, you know, your Steve Jobs or your Bill Gates, you know, a very wealthy, prominent citizen. Everybody knew who he was. He had the biggest home. Uh, he had the most prominence. And uh, he was the leading citizen of the land, this Publius. And he received them and entertained us courteously for three days. So he showed kindness to Paul and all these crew. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him, and he healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. Now I'm going to jump ahead. Now when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Lord, we thank you so much that this story shows your faithfulness again and again. We pray that you'd open up our hearts, help us to understand your word, to receive it, and to apply these principles to our life, that we would live our faith. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So they landed on this island, the island of Malta. Now, when you land on an unknown island, you're not sure what kind of reception you're going to get. You know what I'm talking about? When we were were driving up to uh, Prince George for the very first time, we had never driven it. We'd only flown once, and that was when we came and presented ministry. So now we're moving with our family, and uh, we came up to this little place called Spence's Bridge. Everybody knows Spence's Bridge. And we thought, well, this would be kind of fun because we have a son named Spencer, and we need to take a washroom break. So we pulled in there, and, uh, you know, it's not the real greatest place on earth, is it? Uh, It's okay, 
But uh, I was like, man, there's hardly anything here. And uh, we had this little truck stop that we stopped at, and we ordered some cookies because we needed to use their washroom, and I didn't want to use their washroom without ordering something first. Anybody have that guilt in you, and you try to be a good citizen? So we did that, and they were friendly enough, but just was not what we expected. Wasn't much there. And, uh, and so we went on our way. So now it's kind of the running joke. Hey, we're coming up to Spence's Bridge. You know, like it's going to be this wonderful scenic tourist place. But it's kind of a stop along the road. But we also stopped at some other places that had a little bit more going on. Boy, there's some great scenery, wonderful beauty, and some really neat towns along the way there. But you don't know the first time you go someplace what it's going to be like. And they could have been met with all kinds of uh, adversity. I mean, they could have rounded them up. They could have been killed. They could have been robbed and, you know, rounded up and taken for granted. And let's take whatever goods we can find. Uh, uh, you know, let's hold them prisoner, hold them hostage. We got some Roman centurions. Maybe, maybe we can get some money for these guys. Uh, they didn't know, but they were greeted with warm kindness. And they needed that because they had been through this horrific ordeal out in the sea, out in the storm, hadn't eaten for days and days. Finally, they had one meal just before the ship ran aground. They had to swim to shore. They were cold. They were tired. They were afraid. And their needs were met. And isn't that wonderful how God knows exactly what we need at the right time? So number one, our specific needs are provided for by God. Point number one. Paul and the crew had just been through this awful ordeal, escaping to the island of Malta only by the protective hand of the Lord. They really should have been dead. But God provided, and he providentially protected them. He said, I will protect you, but you've got to trust in me, do what I say, and then I'm going to make sure that everybody gets safely to land. Uh, they needed now shelter. They needed food. They needed warmth. They needed encouragement. And immediately, God had it all set up. He had it all arranged where these people are going to show you kindness. And so they built a fire, and all the needs were met. I like what Philippians 4.19, and you probably know the scripture as well. And my God shall supply some of your needs, all of your needs, all of your need, according to his riches and glory. Man, I stand by that again and again. I don't know about you, but there's times where things are kind of thin, or we're barely scraping by, or something comes up unexpected, and, you know, we're not sure about how it's going to work out, but I stand on that promise that, Lord, you said you will supply all of our need, not our greed, but our need, our basic needs. Make sure you have food to eat, shelter. Make sure you have the basic things that you need in life. And he promised that, and he provided that for the crew here in this story. Now, there's some keys necessary for him to meeting your needs. Did you know that? Somebody, if you take it, uh, the Bible down to Tim Hortons and, and you talk to somebody and say, you know what? Hey, here's good news. God's going to meet all your needs, buddy. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know what your spiritual state is or if you even believe in God, but he's going to meet your need. No, not necessarily. God will supply for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? First of all, we have to be serving him. We have to be trusting him. And I believe that there's even an obedience factor in here because when you look at the context of the scripture, Paul was writing to the church in Philippi and the Philippians had been supporting him and making sure that his needs were met. Because the Bible also says, given it shall be given unto you. Reap what you sow. We can't forget about those principles either. 
So they were showing generosity to Paul, and they were walking in obedience to show that love. And Paul says, now I'm going to promise you, God is going to meet all your needs. So just a little spiritual note there. We don't want to take that completely out of context. You have to be serving Jesus, and I believe you need to be doing what he's called you to do. Not that we're perfect. You, have, you don't have to be flawless, because we make mistakes probably every other day. Maybe every day, except for Derek, because he's there's a little bit higher spiritual plane than the rest of us. But the rest of us struggle, but we try to get there. Um, you know, we make mistakes, so that's all covered under the blood of Jesus, right? Uh, he covers those sins. But we need to be walking in obedience to him and living for Jesus, trusting in Jesus, serving him daily as your Lord. When you serve him daily with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, all your needs will be met. Amen? How many could say, I attest to that? Say amen. Praise the Lord. He is good. And number two is this. Our response to circumstances contribute to our testimony. And we've talked a little bit about this previously in this series. Paul was bitten by a venomous viper when building a fire, and he should have died. Years ago, I was traveling uh, for uh, the group that I uh, was a part of in Bible college, and we had just graduated Bible college. I was a young man and that summer, we traveled through several U.S. states promoting Northwest University, Northwest College. And so when you would travel for the school, we'd sing in churches, and we'd go to camps, and we'd be providing a service as counselors, and we'd set up our booths and promote the school. And we earned a scholarship then that would be applied to your tuition, to your bill. So um, it was a good deal. We got to kind of sing and make a bit of money that summer, and we promoted the school, the Bible college that I was attending. And we went through some of those states that I don't normally go to. We went uh, up to Alaska, and we went to Wyoming and Montana. And uh, I believe it was in Wyoming, there was a place called Reptile Gardens. And then all these kind of creepy crawly snakes and critters and reptile animals and maybe that's your thing i think they're kind of cool but snakes are not really my favorite um i think if i see a snake i'm either gonna walk away or i'm gonna try to squish it you know they're, they're not like oh let's make it a pet some people like them as pets are, are there any snake lover pet lovers here let's just pray for you right now come on front we're gonna lay hands on you no, I mean, different strokes, different folks. If that's your thing, hey, they're God's creatures too. But uh, they're not really my thing, but they did have this massive boa constrictor. And I don't know, maybe it's so big, it didn't look like something that's going to shimmy up my pant leg. It didn't seem to be that, you know, creepy. And they offered, do you want to put it on your shoulders and you can take a photo? And so I did. I had this massive big boa constrictor on my shoulders and I had a picture taken and uh, I think I've still got it tucked away somewhere in a box in the garage. And it's kind of a neat thing. But the ones you have to look out for are the venomous vipers, right? Your pythons, different kinds of snakes. In eastern Washington, we had all kinds of rattlesnakes. It's like the Okanagans, like you're living in Penticton. And uh, my, uh, my older son's very first job, um, his boss told him, because he's working out in an orchard, it's very hot and dry. He said, now, Coulter, if you see any snakes, just beat them with a rake, just kill them. And he was like 12 years old at the time, you know, working for loose change. And he came up to me and said, Dad, do I really have to kill them or can I just run away from it? I said, son, it's okay. You can just walk away too. You don't have to take on the snake quite yet. Um, but this one was this python that I, I had on me, and it was kind of a neat thing. But in Paul's case, it was a definite 
deadly, venomous viper. The natives knew exactly what kind of snake it was. And it latched onto him. And, you know, the kind with the jaws, once they latch on, they stay there for a bit. You have to pry them off or try to shake it off. And they figured, okay, Paul's going to die. Whoever this man is, he must be a murderer. He must be a sinner. God is judging him right now. And they were watching. They were observing. But Paul could have reacted in a different way. He could have gotten afraid. He got, oh, my goodness, what's happening? You know, I need medical attention. He could have been fearful, trepidatious, but he just shook it off because I believe Paul knew that nothing can harm me unless God allows it. And he already had a promise that I'm going to Rome. I am called to go to Rome. I just survived a shipwreck. And if God saw me through then, he's going to see me through now. I am not worried about it. How many know that his faithfulness should build our faith in our lives? Amen? They're like landmark experiences. And I encourage you, when God brings you through something, write it down. You know, put it in your Bible. Or if you're a person who journals, put it in your journal. Tell somebody. Talk about it. But remember the things that he's done because it helps to strengthen your faith for what might come tomorrow. So he just brought him through shipwrecks. Of course, Paul had been stoned, left for dead. He survived. I mean, again and again, God had proved his faithfulness and his providential hand upon his life. So a snake is like nothing. He just shook it off. So they observed that. And of course, they saw when he didn't swell up, then they thought he must be deity. He must be supernatural. But he was just a man with the power of God flowing through his life. Our responses contribute to our testimony. How do we react when bad things happen? How do we react? I mean, quite honestly, we don't always react in the most man or woman of God way, do we? Sometimes yes, but sometimes no. Uh, Do we practice faith or fear? Peace or panic? Because there's two different directions you can go there, folks. I'm just being honest with you. If you know what I'm talking about, say amen. And sometimes maybe we do practice faith. And we should choose faith over fear. God is with you. He is faithful. He's going to meet your needs. We just established that in Philippians 4.19. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. But sometimes we don't always choose faith. Sometimes we choose fear. Or we try to figure it out and work it out ourselves. And rather than rest in his peace, uh, we have this impatience and we have panic. So choose faith. Choose Christ. Trust in him. He is with you. He will see you through. Finally, this morning, number three, our lives are directed by God, so use each opportunity. Years ago, I was the associate pastor at a large church called Word of Life World Outreach Center, and uh, it was set up in Linden, Washington, and the church at that time was running close to 500 people and we had some different people on staff, and we would do a massive Easter production every year called The Promise. Anybody ever heard of The Promise? And uh, in fact, when Word Records first produced this musical, they used our church, this was prior to me being there, as kind of the test pilot for, for the cantata. And it started small, and, and it grew year after year. And by the time uh, I got on staff there, and my father was serving as senior pastor, and he needed an associate pastor, and we were in this watershed time. We were thinking about maybe taking our own church over in eastern Washington at that time, but we decided, no, I think God's directing us to go work with my dad. One of the most fun, joyous times I've had. We were there for three years, 
and the church grew and the Lord blessed it. And we inherited this massive cantata called the promise. So we got there and said, well, pastor, we want to do the promise. And we do it every other year. It's got a $30,000 budget. It involves 200 people. It has live animals. It has all kinds of special effects. I mean, it was massive. In fact, people from all around Northwest Washington would come up to see the promise. And we actually had a professionally videoed the last time we did it. And so we thought, well, yeah, let's do the promise. And, and I had directed some things similar to that, but not of that scale. And thankfully, there was a couple in our church that were already there. They were the directors, and we would bring them on part-time staff for a few months so that they could direct this thing. And it was this massive, massive thing. And the promise was great. And so we had the life of Jesus, and people would come, and we did nine performances, and we did dinner theaters, and hundreds of people would get saved. But prior to the promise, I was involved with one called the Whip, Hammer, and the Cross. And this is one that we directed, not as big of a scale as the promise. It had maybe about 40 people involved, and maybe, you know, a budget of about $2,000, But we still did our best, and we used this, and God blessed it, and it did grow to be a fairly substantial substantial thing. In fact, I remember there was a guy who used to be on the show Columbo. Anybody remember Columbo? He had guest starred on that show, and he was now a local guy who did local theater, and we brought him on one year to work with us, and it was awesome. And so it was the year of the whip hammer and the cross, and we did two big performances of this, and I was directing the choir and directing the drama. And there was a scene where Jesus was whipped with the cat of nine tails. Now, if you know what the Roman cat of nine tails was, it was basically long strips of leather with interwoven pieces of, of metal and probably bone and, or stone. And it was a sadistic tool of torture, and it would actually rip the flesh from the individual who was enduring it. And we wanted this to be graphic. We wanted it to be uh, serious because it was a serious price that Jesus paid for us. And I had, we had two people playing Jesus. One of them, his name was Rick, and he was a shorter guy, and he was um, follically challenged. You know what that means? It means he was bald, right? I am now follically challenged at this state of it, but when you're this good looking, it doesn't matter, folks, right? God had to level the playing field. No, I'm just joking around. Um, so Rick, we gave him this wonderful flowing Jesus wig, and it looked really good. I mean, it looked like he was from the hair band of the 80s. Long, flowing wig, and he had a real good-looking beard, and he actually did some local theater, and he would pour himself into the role. Then we had another fellow who played the resurrected Jesus, because at the end, he would walk out on the stage with lights, and he was all clean and done up with his glorified robe. So we had two characters playing Jesus. Well, uh, we practiced it, and they put blood on the strands of the rope, and, and you would think you would just kind of barely touch them. Now, these ones didn't have the metal woven in. It was just the leather, but it would still hurt. It was like a bullwhip. But um, we weren't going to have them actually make that much contact during rehearsal, but Rick said, no, go ahead and hit me with it, because I want to feel that. And they would put... Uh, fake blood on the strands of the leather so that when they made contact, it would actually leave stripes. I mean, we were all in, folks. We were doing it for the gospel, right? So we really poured ourselves into this play. And so they went through it during practice. It worked excellent. 
And Rick, to his credit, he would writhe and, and move with pain. And it was just a light pain, but they were actually touching him with these strands. They were lightly whipping him, but he wanted to do it for the effect to really pour himself into the role. He was a, a thespian. He was a serious, dramatic local community theater actor. And we had Roman guards that were all done up in Roman regalia. And during this, Pastor Dave, the lead pastor, was describing the process. So he was narrating. And he would say they would bring the whip down again and again on his back. And the soldiers would whip him. And Rick would writhe in pain as he's tied to this whipping post, a big wooden post that we had made. And they put him on there. And he would writhe. And then finally they would take him off. They would put the crown. They would put the robe. And they would march him down the aisle. Well, the night of the performance came. And things were going good, and, and just prior to the, to the performance, they made sure the blood was just right. They even put a little bit of carol syrup in there so it wouldn't be too watery. It had the consistency of real blood, and the actors were ready, and the choir was ready, and I was ready to direct. And so we came to that scene where they're whipping Jesus. And I actually had a, a Christian rock song pumping through the system because it was intense, and the lights were going, and... and Pastor Dave began to narrate. He said, and they began to whip Jesus again and again, and they began to whip Rick with this whip, and he was writhing, and he was pouring himself into the role, and again and again the whip came down, and finally that whip caught his wig, and because of the carol syrup, they whipped it off of him, and he suddenly just froze like this. He was no longer moving. He was no longer acting. He had been exposed, and his glorious crown had let him down. And he stopped, and the choir began to just bust out laughing. The mood was totally shot. And so slowly he began to go ahead and get himself back into the role, even though he was bald now. And Dave resumed, and the cast resumed, and the acting resumed. And we got through that scene. And finally the lights went out because there was a scene change. And I'm telling them from the front, I'm sitting down, put the wig back on, put the wig back on. The only problem was they first put the crown of thorns on. So they put the wig on top of that. It looked like a cone head from the 70s. And I said, no, no, take that off, put that on. They had to reverse the order. So they took off the wig, took off the crown, then the wig, then the crown. Finally got him with his cross ready to go. When the lights came up, he could march him down the aisle. So the whip hammer and cross forever became known as the wig hammer and cross from that point on. <laughs> you see, we don't know what to expect sometimes, do we? And thankfully the Lord still used it, but we look back and we laugh at that. But we don't know what might happen. We don't expect circumstances to happen the way they do sometimes. And last week I gave you my testimony of, of my surgery and, you know, it was a complication. Thankfully the Lord kept his hand on me and brought me through and I'm doing good and on the mend, praise the Lord. And I've had a chance to talk to different people who have had similar situations. We don't know what tomorrow will hold. But here's the thing. God directs our lives and we can use each opportunity to glorify him even in the midst of crazy circumstances. Amen? use them. See, crashing on the island of Malta, even though it was chaotic for the crew, but that was actually always part of God's plan. He knew exactly where they would land, where they would end up. He knew the situation, and Paul was used to heal the father of Publius, or Publius, of this father's fever and dysentery, 
And because he healed his dad, it was a testimony of the power of God at work. Suddenly, everybody's coming out of the woodwork. Well, I've got this, and I've got that. I've got sickness. I've got disease. And he had the opportunity over the next three months to minister. God used this, really, for revival to break out on this little island. They were touched and transformed by the power of God. We're talking about transformation. The Holy Spirit at work brings transformation. Amen? But... They didn't realize, they didn't anticipate that they will be winding up on, a, on an island somewhere, shipwrecked. But God worked it all together for good. And that's what he promises in Romans 8, 28. He works all things together for our good when we're called, when we're living for his purpose. He directs our path. He uses us for his glory. Psalm 37, 23 says this, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. We are instructed to see the opportunities and then seize the opportunity. You might be in a weird storm. You might be in a weird situation that you did not anticipate. But look and see, God, how can you use me here? That's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Lord, how can you use me in this situation to glorify you, to serve you and to serve others, to lift you up and to shine my light? Could we all stand this morning? Let's all stand. And I'm going to ask the team to come join me. As we close this service, praise your name, praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. God is here. Jesus, we're so grateful right now that you're with us, Lord. Jesus, we're so grateful. Lord, that you use all things, work all things together for our good. Thank you, Jesus, for this series that we've seen your hand again and again transform lives. Lord, you transform the islanders of Malta. Show them your love and your power. And for three months, they wound up with a wonderful ministry there until finally Paul landed in Rome. And even there, you allowed him freedom to be able to share the gospel. He was meant to go to Rome to share your good news. If you're here this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, Pastor Scott, would you just pray for me? I need his touch in my life. I know that at times when I'm going through those storms, I don't always look to see what God might be doing and to seize those opportunities. Instead, I just, I choose fear over faith. I get frustrated. But I want to be that person that God can use every day. Wherever I am, wherever He has me, I want Him to use me. I want to make a commitment to Him that I'm going to be His hands and His feet. If that's you this morning, slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. Let's make that commitment today. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Praise your name. Second of all, if you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor Scott, to be honest with you, I don't really have a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe you know about him, but you know that you're not living for him. It's a matter of believing that he is God's son who died and rose from the dead and choosing to serve him as your Lord. If you need to make that decision, I encourage you to slip up your hand. I'll pray for you right where you stand. Maybe everybody here knows the Lord. I hope so. But if not, 
If that's you, slip it up. We'll pray this morning. All right. Amen. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your love, your goodness, your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Jesus, we surrender all. We surrender all to you as the Lord of our life, dear Jesus. We believe that you died on that cross and you rose again. And Lord, we pray that you would use us, God. Let us not be so distracted and so busy that we forget that we are called to live for you and shine for you. Lord, that we are a people on a mission, that we're called to go into all the world and make disciples of all mankind. Jesus, we pray that you would use us, Lord, regardless of our circumstances. When they're good, let us give you thanks. Give testimony. When they're difficult, Lord, let us lean into your help and strength and trust in you. But every day, use us to be your hands and your feet and your voice. Jesus, you are coming again soon, Lord. We don't want to play church. We want to be the church. We want to stand up and speak up for you to be accounted for you, dear Lord. Use us, we pray, for your honor, for your glory, for your kingdom. We give you all the praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.